0: Welcome to Be nice by Magnified. I'm Dr. Julie Humphries. And I'm Natasha Whitehurst. And this is one of our quick chat episodes where we take a magnified look at one aspect of one
1: topic. So this magnified moment is a direct result of the episode with Paul Russell, where we discussed labeling and the use of the word queer. After listening to that episode, our guest today contacted us directly to discuss how he saw a comparison with the N word. We love interacting with our DNI spies. So we asked Terence
0: if he'd like to share his thoughts with you via one of our quick chat, winding the lens for our DNI spies. Terence Paris is an internationally renowned brand and marketing expert and has worked for some of the world's leading brands, including Apple, the
1: United nations and Puma. And we're really conscious that this is a potentially triggering conversation. And whilst as hosts, we will lend insight from a white female percept- perspective. Um, we're very much looking to you, Terence, um, for your lived experience and insights on this one. So welcome. And first of all, what prompted you
0: to want to discuss this topic?
2: Um, well, firstly, thank you for having me. Um, I listened to the interview with Paul a couple of weeks ago and found it quite fascinating how he referenced the the term queer, um, how the gay community have taken ownership of the word queer, and it's no longer considered offensive, at least for for many people. And I kind of thought could first it raised a couple of things. Uh A, um, the importance of language. Uh, and B, for me, it made me wonder whether the N word could ever be, for want of a better word, be weaponized. Um and so it's incredibly challenging to try and address such a emotive topic in in such a a short period of time, but I did have a few kind of sound bites. I mean there's absolutely no clear answer to this. Um I did a, a kind of a short opinion poll with friends black and white before coming here today. And I would say that almost eighty ninety percent said you could never use use the word. Um but like I say whether it's uh queer or any other term that was weaponize users offensive can be de-weaponized and and for want of a better word like the the gay community ownership enables you to to de-weapon so i thought it would be an interesting topic to to discuss even though it's also incredibly incredibly emotive um and in kind of preparing for today i did sort of quite a lot of research there were quite interesting videos on online but one of the most interesting stories um that I came across um, was a, a professor, um, Professor Laurie Sheck in the in the US. Um and she was a professor of creative writing, she's a white woman, liberal clearly, um, and she uh, raised a discussion with her class where um the one of the most celebrated authors in the black Community Black Culture is a guy called uh, James Baldwin, and in the sixties, James Baldwin um, had a, a book and and a talk where he said, "Don't call me the N word," and he actually used the N word. Um, in two thousand and sixteen, there was a, a documentary about James Baldwin, and the title of the uh, documentary was "Don't Call Me a Negro." And so this uh, Professor Sheck actually asked her class whether, why was the documentary called Don't Call Me a Negro, as opposed to Don't Call Me a N-Word, and she actually said the N-Word, and she was literally quoting exactly the words that that James Baldwin used. It caused complete uproar, Uh, members of her class complained to the school and she was actually suspended temporarily etc mm-hmm. and so it really and and interestingly enough the pupil that complained was also white um then conversely you take um black culture particularly in the u.s um comedy being probably the best example um kevin hart uh dave Chappelle. They not only do they use it almost in every other word, but they use it in a really kind of generic sense. So, for example, they will reference the audience as you, ends, where the audience is a very mixed black and white audience, in the same way that some people will say you guys when they're talking about men and women. Uh,
0: So that's in the everyday vernacular.
2: Absolutely. It's really in the everyday vernacular and and it kind of creates this grey zone as well because you'll get kids listening to hip-hop, black or white, that will say, well, actually, it's used in hip-hop culture incredibly regularly. Um, You have somebody like Samuel Jackson who uses it virtually every other word.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, And I saw a really cool film... um, about two weeks ago and it was kinda of coincidental that we're having this conversation today, which was called I can't remember, I think it's Shield Life, etc. But it's the latest film with Eddie Murphy, where again, um, the the story is around the Jewish guy that marries a black woman. Um, but in again in this film, Eddie Murphy uses it virtually every other sentence. And interestingly enough, um the Jewish guy marrying the black woman it's very au okay fait with black culture, but again, it highlight, highlighted the sensitivity around it, the use of the word. And it's it's really interesting because increasingly when you see films like, especially Guy Ritchie films, which have a lot of swearing in, the C word has now become relatively common to use even on, mm. uh, on TV and films. But the N word seems to be like the most taboo word out there and so i just was curious as to a whether you can actually ultimately take ownership of it de-weaponize it but like i say for me it raises an even wider discussion around language in general
0: and and i suppose taking it on one step from that so to to the empowerment perspective so not only using it and and having it no longer be a weapon weaponized become empowered to use it, as we heard from Paul Russell talking about the empowerment of the LGBT community to talk about um, queer as a label?
2: Mm -hmm. Well, I think, I mean, firstly, one of the things that always fascinates me is that people often get really fixated on words rather than intent. And that for me, again, is part of a Discussion because especially for people that work in the D&I space, it's quite challenging to be really up to date. Every form of
1: all the and
2: it's almost like it's like oh, last week mm. you you address people in one way, and now yeah. you can address people in another way. And so for me, it highlights that there's almost like an overemphasis on words as opposed to intent, and and conversely, you can get really articulate racists that never, or sex misogynists that never use bad words, mm. but fundamentally their intent. their intent and message can be really, really painful. So I just think, as I say, it raises a, a wider discussion. Um, and, and 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 in fact, again, in kind of polling friends, et cetera, one of the best terms that was used was contextualization Mm -hmm. so when words are used it's the context in which they're used um what they are referring to who they are used by etc 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 and it seems as though less emphasis is given to contextual as opposed to what is said by who etc so yeah for me it was a it is an incredibly emotive word an incredibly emotive topic it has been a discussion that's been around for a while especially in the black community but also like i say also in the white community because for some people it's like well hold on a second if it's used in hip-hop culture blah blah, blah, blah then clearly yeah. it's no longer a bad word mm-hmm. but like you say 80 percent of the people i spoke to black or white still think uh-huh. absolutely no way yeah. can you say it and so
1: I think that, that's where we landed with the queer label that actually, you know, I think we used the example when we were with Paul that actually he might call himself queer. He might refer to himself queer. He identifies as queer. Um, but, you know, I, I said quite openly as an ally, I would never use that word. Yeah. So I would never refer to him as queer. I would never say, oh, Paul is queer or yeah, my queer friend Paul, i i would never that that would never come out of my mouth in the same and in the same way i think i feel like this kind of discussion and the way you're kind of putting it back across is it kind of lends itself to that same perspective is that some people in the black community may choose to Take back ownership for themselves of that word and use it in their day to day, but that doesn't necessarily lend itself to then being other people uh, being acceptable. Well, is is that
2: what I'm hearing? Well, no, it's. It, I would say it's even more nuanced because, for example, in growing up, um and hopefully he will hear this podcast, but one of my best friends was a white Jamaican, uh and in the certainly the 70s, 80s, often you would go to clubs or parties that were predominantly black or etc and often we would go to parties where people would take offense of him being there and then he would speak in jamaican patois that he's more of an n than i am and when they heard the patois it was almost like oh so he was it's almost, sometimes it's almost like are you on the inside group or the outside group and people would say that the outside group can't use it the inside okay Did you see what I mean? Yeah. And then what qualifies you to be on the inside group or the outside group? You So when you sort of say black, it isn't, black isn't, and and this is also a really powerful statement by James Baldwin. He said that black isn't a skin colour, it's a feeling. Did you see what I mean? So if you are someone like Eminem, who's clearly white, if he sung a song with an N-word, people, would they take offence to it? Probably not. So it's not, as I say, it's context, it's it's not a a straight black and white thing one could argue it's an inside rather than outside if you're on the inside and being on the inside isn't just being black it's about an understanding of cultures etc my best friend my daughter's godfather is a it's a gay uh man um and we often uh joke and sometimes i mean he's a very straight behaving guy. Yeah. Um, but then there are some situations when he camps it and he's by his own admission, he camps it up. And I will say, You're behaving like a real puff. And he says, Yeah, no. It's it so because I'm in part of his inclusive. Yeah. It's comfortable for me to say it. There are probably maybe people listening to this or people that don't know me and my experiences of gay people that would think that I'm not qualified to say that so yeah I just think that it's this is such a short program but one of the things that for me is really important and when I was speaking to Julie in general I think it's really important that people diversity fundamentally is almost like a perpetual consciousness and similarly, language is a perpetual consciousness. It isn't that like, okay, we're gonna walk away from today and think you can now use this word or not, or mm. etc. And like I said, especially when you're working in the diversity space, you're if you get tripped up by addressing somebody inappropriately, incorrectly, mm. I think the recipient should, again, focus on the intent and, and recognize that language is changing mm so rapidly, and and maybe one of the last examples, when I was younger, um, I had a white girlfriend whose father said that I was a really nice coloured guy, okay, which was absolutely fine and the polite way of addressing. Now that's really the inappropriate way to think. Now if nobody's told the guy that, sorry dude, you don't say that anymore. Yeah. Okay, it's like, I've I've been tripped up. And people really shouldn't try and trip people up. because for me, one of the big challenges that people in the DNI space face is that there's almost a... you get words like woke, there's diversity fatigue and... Political correctness. Political correctness and all of these things that are really taken away from the importance of of the work that's trying to be done and the message mm-hmm. that's trying to be done. So, like I say, what I wanted to get out of this talk today was really just to make people think and focus on intent rather than words
0: thanks terence and it's fascinating to hear that um your views on the subject but also the fact that it's in direct relation to one of our episodes so um, thanks for contacting us thanks for coming in to talk about it um and We'd love to hear your views. So if you're listening to this episode um, and you have your own thoughts, then please do contact us via our socials, get in touch. We'd love to hear from you.
1: You can find us on Twitter. Our handles are in the show notes below. And if you've liked what you've heard, please rate us wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to get new episodes automatically. Thanks for listening.